While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. Okay, this is an extra episode, just something to celebrate the fact that we've passed 500 downloads. Thanks, everybody. Tell a friend. I was trying to come up with something serious and relevant for the 4th of July, but I noticed that the Nancy Hart episode is getting a lot of downloads, and I really enjoyed recording that episode. I really enjoyed telling the story of Nancy Hart. So I'm going to do something fun today. This is a book called Stories of Georgia by a fellow named Joel Chandler Harris. It's in the public domain. It was published in 1896. It's a collection of stories written in that, you know, kind of dense 1896 language that goes from the founding of Georgia right up to the end of the Civil War. And we're going to jump ahead to the Revolutionary War part. Actually, in this book, this is the chapter just before the chapter on Nancy Hart. It's called A Group of Characters. These are just interesting anecdotes about people involved in the Revolutionary War. And I'm going to read them pretty much right here from the book. I'll edit a little bit, but I hope you enjoy it. If it sounds a little stilted or if I start and stop a lot, I have a new friend here in the recording booth. It's my uh, loyal pod dog, Duke. This is his third day with us, and he still doesn't know he can't sit on my lap when I'm sitting at my desk. So we'll just do the best we can. All right, here we go. A group of characters. The Revolutionary War in Georgia developed some very romantic figures, which are known to us rather by tradition than by recorded history. First among them, on the side of the Patriots, was Robert Sollett. In Liberty County, says history, there lived during the Revolution a man by the name of Robert Sollett, distinguished for his opposition to the Tories. It is not known with certainty to what particular command he was attached, meaning he wasn't a regular soldier. He appears to have been a sort of roving character, doing things in his own way. The Tories, says history further, stood very much in dread of him, and well they might, for never had they a more formidable foe. His name was a terror to the Tories, the Tories being the British sympathizers. One of them, a man of considerable means, offered a reward of 100 guineas to any person who would bring him the head of Robert Sollett. The Tory had never seen Sollett, but his alarm was such that he offered a reward large enough to tempt someone to assassinate the daring partisan. When Sollett heard of the reward, he disguised himself as a farmer and provided himself with a pumpkin, which he placed in a bag. With the bag swinging across his shoulder, he made his way to the house of the Tory. He was invited in and deposited the bag on the floor next to him, the pumpkin striking the boards with a thump. I have brought you the head of Robert Sollett, said he. I hear that you have offered a reward of 100 guineas for it. Where is it? asked the Tory. I have it with me, replied Sollett, shaking the loose end of the bag. Count me out the money and take the head. The Tory, neither doubting nor suspecting, counted out the money and placed it on the table. Now show me the head, said he. Salette removed his hat, tapped himself on the forehead, and said, Here is the head of Robert Salette. 
The Tory was so frightened that he jumped from the room and Solette pocketed the money and departed. That's the most famous Robert Solette story. There are some others, especially some about him and his friend Andrew Walter. There was an Andrew Walter, actually Walterville in Liberty County is named after him. He was a real person. Robert Solette, I can't say with such certainty. Most of the stories are basically him and sometimes Walter finding some Tories, fooling them, and then killing them. There's one where Robert Solette dresses as a British officer and goes to eat with a bunch of British soldiers and then stabs them and runs away. There's another one where he and Walter capture three Tories who were moving through some woods. Solette asks the first where the troops are stationed and is lied to. They ask the second where the troops are and are lied to. They ask the third and are lied to. So then they chop off the head of the third one and the first two decide to tell the truth. And that's how Robert Solette captures the British camp. Another character who was referred to as eccentric was Captain Rory McIntosh of Mallow. I couldn't find a Mallow in Georgia, so it's probably in the UK because he did fight for the British. Now, he was a kinsman of General Lachlan McIntosh. And if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know who Lachlan McIntosh is. He was in charge of the defense of Savannah for a while. He was a very prominent figure. He was very tied into the lives of Button Gwinnett and George Walton. So here's the story. In 1778, two expeditions were sent from St. Augustine for the purpose of attacking Savannah, one by sea and one by land. Now, Roderick McIntosh was part of this land expedition, and he was under a captain named Captain Murray. When the British laid siege to Sunbury and the fort, Captain Murray's company was in the line near the fort. One morning, when Captain Rory had a dram too much, and I think you know what that means, he determined to sally out and summon the fort to surrender. His comrades tried to restrain him, but he was determined. Finally, he strutted out, a drawn claymore in his hand. That's type of sword. He approached the fort and cried out, Surrender, you miscreants! How dare you presume to resist his majesty's arms? Colonel McIntosh, who commanded the fort, saw at once the condition of Captain Rory and forbade the men to fire. Maybe he knew that this was a relative here. Then he threw open the gate and said, Walk in, Mr. McIntosh, and take possession. No, cried Rory, I'll not trust myself among such vermin. I order you to surrender. At that moment, a rifle was fired by someone in the fort, and the ball passed through Captain Rory's face under the eyes. He fell backwards, but immediately recovered and stood on his feet, flourishing his claymore. Then he began to walk backward his face to the fort. Several shots were fired at him, and they called out for him to run. Run? cried Rory scornfully. You may run, but I belong to a race that never runs. This is a good story for the beginning of the revolution with the drunken British officer who's convinced that this, you know, American problem is just something that needs to be swatted down. A few years later, another author would quote a letter by a fellow named John Cooper that he wrote to a friend of his in Georgia where he wrote his reminiscences of Rory McIntosh. And 
A lot of the stories are very similar. They involve him strutting around and waving his sword until the actual fighting begins, at which point he seems to be mysteriously gone. But he comes back for the celebration of the victory. I wouldn't doubt that there were several other incidents of that type before the British really knew who they were dealing with. Okay, so that's just two quick sketches of characters involved in the American Revolution. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Don't forget the Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast mostly focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you have any good stories to share, please consider sending them to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. All one word. I would love to hear from you. Enjoy your holiday. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia. That's all.